Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. This is episode 19 of the Jet Podcast. I'm uh, John, your host. Tonight is a very special episode. It's going to be starring uh, Dwayne Blow, good friend of ours. Uh, We're missing our other two co-hosts. You know, uh, Evan can't be here or Troy, but uh, we're going to go on with it tonight. And uh, this is part two of our Motivational Monday podcast. So uh, I'll let Mr. Dwayne Blow introduce himself. Hello. Hello. My name is Dwayne Blow. Uh, you might know me as DTL if you follow me at uh, Facebook at DwayneTheLegend.com. And um, I'm, re- I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming, man. So we're going to go right into, uh, I mean, we go back from, from elementary school. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> back in the So What's I remember that? those are some of the best times of my life. What's that, second, second grade? How old are you then? I don't even remember. I just turned 38, man. Well, I mean, like in second grade. Second grade. Don't, don't give our ages out, yeah. man. <laughs> Make me feel, oh, happy birthday. Though. Happy birthday. That. Second grade was one. I don't know. Like, wait, let's see. And I'm in third now, and he's nine. So, yeah, about seven, eight. Yeah. You're seven turning eight. Yeah, that was amazing. So that's what, 30 years? Long time ago. 30 years? <laughs> 30 years, man. Yeah. That's, but I remember we, we used to have some heated battles. Uh, four square. And, oh, man. And a tetherball, and I used to swear I was the king of, of Foursquare. Like, I swear I was there. <laughs> no one was ever going to get me out, ever. Then we used to, like, team up and just buddy-buddy on the people that we didn't like. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. That and was just, cool. I remember, uh, I think it was whoever was serving. You, you could pretty much come up with your own rules, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I remember there was, like, jackpots and shoe shines. And, yeah. Man. Oh, man, that was awesome. <laughs> Tetherball, oh, tetherball was like that was like the Warriors game. Right. Did, did we have a? Wasn't there like a tournament that we had? They had back in the day. Yeah, I think we used to have field day or something. Yeah, and they were. Oh, it's it's so sad that they don't do that no more with kids, man. It's like it's a tragedy. I know. They took out. I think they took out like most of them. Like all physical education, like they don't take them outside and play no more. No, I think my daughter says they go like maybe once a week, maybe outside, and it's just horrible. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I remember we spent, I think my whole elementary, you know, time was outside. That's yeah. what it felt like. Pretty much. It was every day after lunch. They would feed us and take you outside <laughs> yeah. to waste all that energy. Right. So, I mean, what are they doing with these kids where they got all this energy and they're just sticking them back in the classroom after they eat? Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Know. And then they come home and sit in the house and play Xbox. And say, yeah. Yeah. I see so, why. Yeah. Me too. Uh, but we can, we can move along, man. Uh, you know, we can, I think uh, if you want to touch on where you came from, you know, I think you guys came down here from Indiana, right? Yeah, I was uh, originally born in Gary, Indiana. That's right. The home of the Jackson Fives and I believe Glenn Robinson. And I think that's about it. There's probably a few more Gary, Indiana. Uh, o in the uh, Wild 94.1. He's from Gary. Uh, so, yeah, we came down uh, back in like 1980, I want to say 82 or 83. We moved to Tarpon Springs right there off on North Gross Ave. And uh, I went to Tarpon Elementary for a while. And, and I guess my parents, you know, they figured they were trying to move on up and go to the other side and move the holiday. And that's when uh, I was like, going to Ankle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, so you said 1989? 
No, about 82, 83. Oh, wow. So, yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. We pretty much spent most of my life here in Florida. Uh, we went back up north to Gary uh, every summer, but uh, I think there was one year my sister got hit by a car, like, not even an hour after we got there, and that was it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it used to be the Myrtle capital of the United States back in the 80s. Yeah, so, I remember, yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't really the nicest place to go anyway, but after that moment, you know, I was, I, I was probably, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe eight or nine maybe 10 at that time. And she got lucky because it it, it popped her up on the hood because the guy actually hit the tree. Um, so had he pinned her against the tree, she probably would have been had to have her legs amputated. So when he hit her, she popped up on the hood, he hit the tree, then she fell off the side of the car, rolled off, and then he like took off. And I remember my parents, when they grabbed the gun and my aunt, they were all jumped in the car and they went chasing them. I mean, they weren't gonna find him. He was already gone by that time. And, I remember saying to my cousin, I'm never coming here ever again. <laughs> and I believe that was probably the last time I ever went to Gary. I don't think I've been back there. I keep trying to tell my family they need to come down and visit in Florida. Right. Know? So you got majority of your family stuff there? Um, a good a good amount of them. A lot of them are in Georgia. We're all scattered around everywhere. Florida, Georgia, Indiana. That's what it seems like down here. A lot of people from up north come down here. Like all, My family came down from Ohio. Yeah. So Youngstown, Ohio. And I, I think we moved down here when I was like two, so. Mm. Same thing. Seems like everybody doesn't want to be in the cold, and you know. <laughs> I don't blame them. Yeah, there's nothing to do up there, so horrible. Yeah, cold. for sure. So with that, you went to school down here, man. How, you know, how'd you like it down here, school wise? Man, it was, it was crazy, man. I had to, you know, because we coming up on different times back then, and it, they're still sort of the way they are now. But you know, I experienced a lot of racism growing up, man. With with a, a lot of different aspects of people whether it was some adults some kids so it was different because i never really understood it because my my stepfather was he's white so you know and he's been in my life since i was i don't know maybe one and a half maybe earlier i'm not really too sure so you know the, the whole aspect of racism i i never understood it because i grew up with a white stepfather so Someone not liking me for my color was sort of weird to me. I, I never understood it. So it was it wasn't bad, you know. I had a lot of good friends. Like you were a good close friend, and uh, you know a lot of our Gary Indianians that moved down, Pito, yeah. Hapo, and all them. You know, they all came down. But it was uh it was it was different. It wasn't until like more more middle school. Uh, there wasn't actually a an incident that when we were in elementary school, which is pretty crazy because you know it just shows during the times of where we lived and how things were different back then that you know uh, people really didn't have interracial relationships so every day you know once I got to I believe it was around fourth grade my sister was in kindergarten going there mm -hmm. so every day after school I would have to stop pick her up make sure she gets on the bus and we would walk home from school from the bus stop and there's one particular day I'm not sure why, but the teacher actually lied to me. The kindergarten teacher for my sister actually lied to me and told me that my sister was already on the bus. So I went on the bus. Lo and behold, she wasn't on there. I didn't really see her, but the bus started moving, and I, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was I got home, and I was afraid that I was going to get beaten to hell from my mom because I came home without my sister and I didn't know where she was at but lo and behold that the the teachers did not believe that she was my sister because you know if you see my sister she's mixed so she at that age she was actually really a lot more light-skinned than she was than she is now actually um so they didn't believe that she was my sister so they wanted to see who the mother was so they kept her to see who the mother was 
<laughs> I remember my mom was so upset with me and she brought me back up there and I tell you what, she cussed out those people like I was fearful for them. Like <laughs> I, I know what it was like being cussed out by my mom. But those people, they were like, they had seen that. The frightened in their eyes. They were like, whoa. And, and I was like, okay. But, you know, at the time I didn't understand it. But as I got older, I was like, that's just messed up. Like, right. That's like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I experienced that. Like, remember Miss Colburn? Yeah. Same thing with her. She used to tell me, remember I, was, I used to date Carrie, Carrie Wood. She told me that she felt that it was very wrong for me to be dating her. No, this was in school. She was <laughs> a teacher. Oh, she got she teacher guidance yeah, counselor. Yeah, the principal. Yeah. She was something. And you know, that's just you know, it's just stuff I experienced, man. It was it was just sort of weird, and and a lot of people didn't really understand. That was a big reason why I left golf. I, I just it wasn't really so much of the kids. Like I remember in middle school, after my brother punched that one kid in the mouth, everybody sort of like backed off of me because <laughs> they're like, "You were David Blow's little brother." Right. So I got a pass after that point, but it was then it became the teachers, and then it became adults, and I didn't really know how to handle that. So I left and went to Tarpon, and that was really a reason why. I, I mean, other than basketball, because Coach Feldman was horrible as a coach, but other than that, it was just like I, I felt like I didn't know. I didn't know who I can trust as an adult and who I should put my future in their hands and ask them questions about what I should be doing as a child because that's what. You know, teachers are supposed to be guiding their students, you know. Right. So I had to leave. That was sort of my upbringing, a little bit. You know, there was a lot of fun, a lot of riding around, being bad, hanging out, shooting basketball at your yeah. place. That's what we used to do right over your house and shoot basketball all the time. Right. And I think that that probably kept me out of a lot of trouble, man. <laughs> How they wrecked <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How yeah. they wrecked was the best. That's what I said. And at the time, we lived on the other side of 19. So that's when I lived with, I lived close to Papo and, and Pito. And uh, I remember, man, we used to have like the best, <laughs> we used to play video games all the time, man. Mortal oh, Kombat. Ah, oh, man. Mortal Kombat. They used to kill me in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they still do. Yeah. Those fighting games, they all Right, fighting fight games, games. Man, I could not compete with them in fighting I, games. I had right? them in the sport games. Though. Basketball, I had them in the basketball. Right. And NFL, the Madden, they couldn't play Madden. but Right, but I just remember, like, my mom was a single mom, so she would always, every once in a while, have enough money to like bring a video game home or something. And yeah. I remember she got Mortal Kombat and like we played that for hours, man, at my house. Oh yeah. So, and then another time I remember she got us a football, a Nerf football, and uh, like I lived in a small little apartment next to another apartment, and uh, we had this huge mailbox that was all cement, and our mailbox was in it. I remember a pizza like threw a bomb and I I was running up, man, and I ran right into the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not, we did that to a few people, too. Right. The worst part about it is he probably did that to you on purpose. That's what I'm saying. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, thinking about it, I'm like, there's no way he would have it. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did that to you on purpose. He probably man. did. Man, that hurt so bad. You know when you get hurt and you just take off running? Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I want to backtrack real quick back to the to the the Anclote, the old school days, because I got to give a shout out to someone who 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 actually guided my life a little bit different. And it's a, it's a mutual friend of ours. I don't you remember Brian Wade. Yeah. Brian Wade was the first person to beat me on basketball. Because you know it was all about four square and tetherball back then. Right. And it wasn't until I, one day he wanted to play me one on one. And he beat the slop out of me. <laughs> and from that moment on, I was so angry and so mad 
that I stopped playing Foursquare. I played tetherball still a little bit. Right. But I stopped playing Foursquare and was shooting around and, and wanted to make sure that that never happened again. And once I got good enough and I played him again, he never beat me again. But it wasn't until he beat me. Right. No, that, he was surprising. Like, he was good. Yeah, lefty. I yeah. think he's a lefty. I think so. Yeah. He, he, was, he was good. And I was like, oh, I can't have this. <laughs> no, he was good. I remember uh, hanging out with him a lot, man, and like his dad used to play badminton. Hmm. On I think I forgot what night it was at the holiday break, but they said badminton. Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. He got me into badminton, and I remember ping pong at the rec center. Badminton. Yeah, man, there was so many that rec center to this day. I think saved oh, my yeah. life. Oh yeah, saved a lot of kids. Like we were always there. Right, and now it's packed. It's dead now. It's dead. I was talking to Joe, and he said like. They don't even, they're not open every day. Every day. Yeah, they're not open every day. That's that. Horrible. That goes back horrible. to the, the kids. Like, what are they doing nowadays to burn off all that energy? That's horrible. For sure, man. Uh, but we can we can move along. Uh, we'll get into the the whole reason why we do the Mo- Motivational Monday is, uh, you know, I feel like we put so much stock in, uh, you know, celebrities and people that we have no idea or they don't know who we are yeah. personally, right? So, you know, you're seeing on Facebook, someone will tag a post of, like, Tristan Thompson or some oh. celebrity, and it'll get, like, 5,000 likes. Yeah. And then you post some of your boy or yourself, and you get, like, one or two likes. Yeah. So that's why. One or two shares. One or two shares. <laughs> and you know him, you know? Like, you know? man, if he makes it, we all make it. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's all I look that's, at it. I don't understand how people don't understand that. Right. So that's why, for me, I'm going to put all my time and energy in the people that I know that are talented, and I'll share, you know, until my phone breaks, you know? You know, that's that's, that's what we keep doing. So it's supposed to be. I like the motivational aspect, and I know you got a great story. And, uh, you know, I'll let you tell that part of, I think, it, when when did you get diagnosed? Uh, 2011. 2011. I was still in the military at the time, and I remember I remember talking to you every once in a while, emailing beats and music and stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, I remember you, t- I don't know if it was Facebook, or I remember you talking about it, and I did a little research on it, and I was like, man, that's that's pretty pretty crazy you know yeah it is crazy because it's uh you know something that doesn't really happen to somebody at that young of age but i thought so until it happened to me and then i went to start going to Moffitt cancer center uh and, and what we're speaking about is uh, i was diagnosed with multiple myeloma uh stage three actually um it was pretty much almost a wrap at that point i um i and and my whole spin on things is i, I do the music for what i do because i love it but it's more or less for the awareness of our health and because I was that ignorant person. I was that person who I felt something was wrong. Um, I was I was still playing rec leagues. I was still, you know, uh, you know, because we were ballers. We grew up ballers. And, you know, once we graduated, I still was balling in rec leagues. And, and, I, and I hurt myself. And I didn't, I just, you know, I chalked it up to being old. I just, I really chalked it up to being old. I chalked it up to like, okay, yeah, let me just not play and let me uh, just let it heal and I'll be fine in a, in a month or so. And it just never got better. And it felt like a pool growing, but, you know, everybody was noticing me limping when I was walking at work and everywhere I went and people knew me. And I just ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. And, you know, it got to a point where I actually ended up breaking my hip in order for me to go to the doctor's office to the hospital, actually ER, uh, to see what was wrong. And, and when they found what was wrong was stage three multiple myeloma. So, you know, everything I do is to show my ignorance of me not doing what I know I should have did was go to the doctors. Just right. Check and this is, this is what, mid-20s? 
for you or no, late 20s? Yeah, no, thir- early 30s. 30, 30. 30. I was 30, just turned 31. So I was 30, just turned 31. It, right. it happened in, uh, in December 17, 2011. Uh, and my birthday's in October, so I had just turned 31. And I sort of noticed it too because I, I was a binge partier. You know, I'd work hard all week and, and party hard Friday, Saturday. And I couldn't, I couldn't, pass, I couldn't hang out past 12:30. I was just getting tired, and that should have been my first sign. Like, hey, you, you're something's wrong. You can't even stay up till 12:30. Right. You know. So let me ask you, when you got diagnosed, like, how how'd you take that? Like, when you told him? Um, you know, I I was numb, really. I didn't really react. I actually. I was probably so in shock that I remember telling the doctor, like, <laughs> that's funny, I laugh, because I told the doctor, because in my job, we have occurrences. You can get up to six occurrences before you get a written warning, and then any occurrence after that, you get terminated. So I was up to about five occurrences, because I, I had my little method, like, occurrences rolls off every six months. So I would get a lot in the beginning of the year and let them roll off, and then I get more right. and then I'll let them roll off. So I was it was in December when I went in, so they already had rolled off and I put more back on because I was expecting more to roll off for the first of the year. So so I looked at the doctor and told him, hey, you know, do I need to come back tomorrow because I got to go to work tomorrow? Because <laughs> I was thinking to myself like, yo, I can't get this last occurrence because these people might fire me. You know what I'm saying? And that's when he was like, yo, you're getting, he looked at me like in the look, like, are you serious? He's like, he looked at me like, are you, are you really serious? Cause he's like, we're going to admit you today. You're not going anywhere. That's what he told me. And then, you know, that's when I just got on the phone, called my mom and called my boss. And that was it. I really didn't, I don't know. I didn't have a reaction. It really didn't hit me until I think probably a couple of years later. Really. So the initial didn't no. still didn't really, uh, no, and I, I didn't understand it. Right. I didn't understand it. They didn't even understand it, you know. It took them literally almost an hour to diagnose me because, you know, like I said, somebody at my age, this bone cancer is something that old people get, you know. It's something that we usually get when we're like 60, 70 years old and our body's just like, forget it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. I didn't even know you can ever get bone cancer. Like, I, you know, I was yeah. sort of naive to... I know, when you told me, I things. looked it up online because I was like, man, this... And then I, you see the demographics of who it, you know, like you said, you know, older, older population. And I'm like, man, that's just crazy, you know? Yeah. And I, in the military, like around, I think we were 26 and I lost a good friend, you know, and, and he, he died of colon cancer. And for him to get diagnosed with that, we looked it up, same thing. It's like middle age, like, you know, 50 year old men that get it. It's crazy, man. It's that it's the health awareness, man. Right. I don't know what it is about our generation or something, but I mean, I, maybe it's been going on with a lot of generations that I don't know about. But it's like we don't we don't take things seriously. I think, man. There's I still got a lot of friends that are like, oh, I feel something wrong, but I don't want to go get checked out. I'm like, no, like you don't you know me. You see what I went through, right. don't you? You know, had I went and checked it out, because I remember I was living in Brandon and I was playing uh, at this YMCA and I was playing basketball. You know, I used to I used to have ups, you know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I used to get up there. Yeah. And there's I, I tried to grab rim one time and it just felt wrong. Like everything about me felt wrong. My back cracked, my, my everything was just like and I and like I said, I chalked it up to being old. I was like, Oh, maybe I'm just getting old, you know. Right. But we gotta stop thinking like that. It's not it's not getting old, you know. 
No, it's important to get your checkups every year and, oh, yeah, and be honest with the doctor, you know, because a lot of people just go and go through the motions. And yeah, he's not going to snitch on you. Just be honest. <laughs> just be honest. <laughs> be honest. Yeah. Everything you've done that you can't tell nobody else, tell your doctor. Yeah, that's why I was with blood pressure. I'm like, man, there's no way I got high blood pressure. And I, every time, like, and I had an excuse for everything. But, you know, in my 20s, I drank a lot. And, mm. and then I started getting, like, to where my vision started getting a little messed up. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I should be honest about it. And, you know, start taking some medication because you can have a stroke or something, and yeah, and I'm and done. It. You know, it. so and then you're never the same after that. Either either it kills you, or you come back and you don't have function with your left side, right? right? And or you just you're just not the same because my you know my stepfather had a stroke. He's not the same, right? That's yeah, same. everything. I mean, it's so important just to go. Like I said, man, any Nick, especially when you're in your late or early 30s and stuff. Oh yeah. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably a reason yeah, to get go checked, checked out. Go checked up, man. Just go check something out. So how, going back to your, your story, how did, uh, you know, how did your family take it when you told them? Were they? They were devastated, man. They were, they didn't know what was going on. I don't, I, I mean, I looked in their face and they, they, to me, I, I could be wrong, but from my personal opinion, I mean, I, I know I was looking pretty bad. Um, they looked at me like it was it. It was a wrap. It was it. I mean, because, you know, I mean, you, you say the big C word, cancer. It's a scary word, man. It's, it's something that a lot of people don't come back from. There's not many that fight it and battle it off and win. Um, so they took it pretty hard, man. And I, I'm a stubborn person. So I didn't I didn't want that energy around me. So I was I was I was I was a real jerk. Probably they would call me. They probably say a little other words, but <laughs> I was real jerkish. <laughs> Because I, I, you know, in my mind, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really think of anything about it. It was just like, you know, doctors. I was con conversing with the doctors. What's the plan? Okay, this is the plan. Okay, let's go along with it. Let's do it. I'm ready. But, you know, whatever they had suggestions, I'm ready to do it. And I just took it one step by step, man. It was, you know, I, I was prepared to die and I was prepared to live. So it was either or. Right. I was going to do the best of either one. Not. And uh, another thing, too, I, I remember seeing, you know, some of your, you would always post, you know, going to Moffitt and, you know, your treatments and stuff like that. And, and to me, I always thought, like, someone in your shoes, like, wouldn't be as positive, you know. But do you think the positivity that you had in your mind, do you think that went a long way with? I think that's a huge thing, man. Like, I don't know, going through the whole chemo and going twice a week. I used to go twice a week. And I was at a Florida cancer specialist. Shout out to them. Um, and you start to develop like a little, uh, cancer family because when you, I was going, uh, what, I think it was, I want to say Tuesday, third, no, Tuesday, Thursdays, I was, I was going and you know, those same people that are there Tuesday, Thursdays, they're, they're there too. So every Tuesday, Thursday, these are the same people you go with. So, and you start seeing them struggle, you know, and they might be a little older. They might be in their fifties, you know, sixties and they're struggling like. You know, one week they're fine, and another week they're struggling, and you start seeing other people struggling, and you know, like, it, it put it in perspective to me, like, you know, I, you know, I can, I can give into this, or I, I can see that I'm still feeling pretty good, I'm still feeling all right, I still have every reason to be upbeat because I have these other people that are going through the same thing and they're struggling, you know, and. Even when I went to Moffitt, shout out to Moffitt, I love Moffitt, man. Um, there was a young lady that was probably around my age, maybe a little bit younger. She might have been a little bit younger, but she had it really bad in her spine, which is horrible. Like I had it all in, all in my, my 
skeletal structure, but it was really bad in my femur. That's where it ate most of my femur. I actually have titanium rods there now. Um, but she was struggling. She was definitely struggling. And we were around the same age. So even in, in that aspect, it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer of God and, and, and Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. So everything I was able to witness and see, it, it only made me appreciate more of where I was at. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I was doing better some of these my peers my cancer peers so to speak you know right but i was still you know i had my hair still you know i didn't lose my hair until i had my transplant because the transplant they actually wipe it clear that's when you know you ever seen the movies where they put you in the bubble right that's usually because they've had a transplant they've wiped you completely clean you have zero white blood cells zero red blood cells so, immune hemoglobin right. zero like you you have no immune system that's usually why they put you in the bubble right so i actually you know un underwent that and it wasn't until then that I lost all my hair. But I was taking chemo twice a week at high doses, taking three different chemo meds, and I still had all my hair. So I was like, oh, I'm still good, you know? Right. Like, hey, I'm good. <laughs> I got this, you know? Right. Feeling a little cocky <laughs> until that transplant came. And I was taking a shower one day, and I was w wiping the shampoo out of my hair, and then all of a sudden, clumps was falling out. I'm like, ah! Right. You know, then my lady, you know, had to shave my head. I was like, okay, it's time to shave it because I have patches everywhere. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had to stay positive because I was I was taking it well. Everything I took well, definitely. Yeah, that's what I like. Ah, uh, same way. I'm a firm believer in positivity, man. And I always watch motivational stuff on YouTube, and it always seems like you know someone who does something or overcomes something always has you know that positive mindset. And like I said, that's why I was like, man. I don't know what I would do when if I got diagnosed with cancer, you know. I would hope I'd stay strong and stuff like that, but I'm not in your shoes. I mean, you got to, man. You have to. You got to stay strong. And, and the worst part about it is, uh, shout out to Nick, man, Nick Mahoney. Um, before all this happened, I watched his father battle cancer and die from it. And then I get it. And then I battle it and I live. And then my uncle gets it. And he battles it and he dies. And then my, my childhood neighbor gets it. She battles it and dies. So it's like... I have no excuse not to be positive. Right. I've witnessed too many people battle it and die mm -hmm. to where I've battled it and I've lived. So, I mean, I, there's there's no reason for me to ever complain about anything, you know, because I've had to watch and endure the pain of people I love die from it, you know? So, it, it, it's just something crazy. It's just one of those things, you know, you, you got you to gotta always pull the positive out of things. I mean, it's easy to see the negatives and everything, but... You know, it takes a very certain type of person and personality to be able to pull the positive even out of a negative situation. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's a special gift. And not saying people tap out when they have cancer, but, you know, I think the negativity. Is, yeah, it's a battle, it's man. It's a battle, you know. It is a battle. Um, Such a battle. That's why people say battling cancer because you're battling. You're battling, man. For sure. You are battling. You know, and like you said, you don't want to see people around you thinking the worst. And, oh, yeah. Right. So Definitely with your family, not. was it you didn't? Did, did they still come around? Or did yeah, you they did. They just treated me like that cancer patient. Right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not down on them, and I love them for it, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But it was just like, I don't know. To me, it was like, you got to know. To me, I'm like, you know how stubborn I am. I'm not going to just lay over and roll over and die on this, you know? Right. You know, you can, you, if I'm going to die, you're going to see one of the greatest fights you've ever seen. You know? Right. You know, I'm going right. to go out swinging. You know, I'll be on a some type of roller coaster dying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, it's not going to be me in some bed just shriveling up. 
Right, definitely, man. So mm-hmm. we're talking about so how many how many days a week did you go down to Moffitt? Oh man, from the beginning it was started off like once a month, uh, once or twice a month, and then once you start getting close to the whole transplant thing, it was started being more more like three or four times a month, and then I actually stayed there. Uh, they actually put me up in a very nice hotel, I guess it was. They got like affiliation with a nice hotel. So they're cancer patients who go undergo any type of transplant. They, uh, they they either can choose if they're strong enough and healthy enough as far as in they're getting up, they're doing their walks because they tell you there's certain things you need to do once you get this trans once you get wiped clean of your immune system and get this trans this, this transplant, bone marrow transplant. And if you show signs of strength then you have the option to place in paperwork and, you know, actually be able to go and stay in these hotels and stuff and i actually went there and stayed there for two weeks you know i was in moffitt for a lot of the time until after the whole transplant thing was over so i mean i definitely love love moffitt man they took good care of me right i, I believe they you know they saved my life it was it was it was a god gift man because even at florida cancer center the dr alomar shout out to dr alomar his um, what do you call the person that when they under that they're under somebody and that that teaches them a lot of stuff? What is that? That's uh, like your apprentice. No, that's the, he. Well, he was her like her apprentice, mentor, mentor. Yeah. So her his mentor ended up being my doctor at Mock. So it was like you know I was getting transitioned from one good hands to a better hands from Florida Cancer Center from him to Doctor Alcina is her name, which I love her to death. I actually got to see her in May. Um, and you know. Moffitt is all about personal treatment. They will person personalize and customize their chemo treatment to you and your specific needs, which is revolutionary in the cancer thing, man. So, all right, and during all that, so were you still working? You took a, a pretty oh man, that was horrible. No, man, I I had to take I mean, it. was you know my job gave me a leave of absence. Uh, shout out to Lisa Lisa Downey. Uh, Downey now I think she got married. It's something else. Um, and, and Michelle Bronson, my other my other manager, I love her to death, man. They they did and uh, Brittany Stevens, uh, she's a supervisor now. She still works where I work at Wellcare. They um, did all the paperwork for me. Excuse me, all the FMLA, all the leave of absence, like everything you needed to do. Right. Uh, medical leave, they filled out all that paperwork for me, man. Got it all set out. But I ended up having to take a leave of absence for my job and take medical leave, which was only about, you know, $1,200, not even $1,200 a month. It was probably like $1,100 a month. So, you know, I had to rob Peter to pay Paul sort of kind of did. Right. I cut out some bills. They were trying to repo my car, you know. I had to hide it. <laughs> I did. I ain't going to lie. Don't, people, people do not give them your car, okay? Like, if you only owe a little bit of money, don't let them take your car. Go hide it. You know, until you get money and pay them off because they're going to take your car and then they're going to sell it and you're still going to owe them that money. So you might as well hide the car, owe them that money and pay them off at some point in time and keep your car. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to tell people this, you know, there's other things you still have to worry about on top of. Oh, yeah. You know, the treatments and the. You still got bills to pay. You still oh, yeah, got, I mean, they didn't care, man. <laughs> they don't, they, they right. were trying to take, they were like, maybe it's better off, Mr. Blow, that we'll, you know, we, you just relinquish the car from all that you're going through. Like, cause they were looking into stuff, man. They, they found out all the history of what I'm doing. They, they got a private investigator was trying to follow me around and try to find the car. And the funny thing about it was I had it at my brother's house, John's. 
And I was just like, you guys are the worst private detectives because, you know, my mother's last name is Lyles now because that's my stepfather's last name and that's my stepbrother. And I said, all you had to do is look up another Lyles in the area and you would have found where he lived and you probably would have found my car. So, <laughs> right. but because you got, you hired a horrible detective, private investigator, like this guy was calling my nurses and stuff. Like, it was crazy, man. I, and I'm going through all this chemo stuff and, and they're just you know, doing some, some foolishness, you know. And I'm yeah, like, it doesn't stop. No. Life doesn't stop. No, huh? it don't. They don't stop, man. <laughs> it definitely does not stop. I had old money from uh, to uh, Huntington Bank from being, uh, uh, my, my identity got stolen. And this was before the internet was like worldwide known and everybody knows everything about it. And there's safety precautions of identity theft and all that good stuff. My identity got stolen. The guy stole about $12,000 on the bank account. Overdrew me about $4,500. So I owed Huntington Bank $4,500. And they were the, the, here they go knocking on my door saying, you know, here's a, some, uh, it was the, um, it wasn't a court hearing. It was like a, they, they hired a lawyer to have like a meeting. I could bring my own lawyer, but it was to discuss how I was going to pay them back pretty much the 4,500 that was overdrawn because 12,000 got taken from me. Um, and like I, it was, it was just one thing after another, man. It was, it was really crazy. It was really, really crazy. It was like, you know, the devil was trying to beat me down because he's seen how positive and how well I was taking things from the cancer perspective. That I felt like he was really just trying to attack me in my life at that point. Right. You know? He really was. He was. He was trying to pull out every stop, every nook and cranny to, to throw a wrench in my in everything. But it didn't work, of course. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that's, man, it's just, this is amazing. That's why, you know, I wanted to, wanted to have you on because I'm like, this story is amazing because, like I said, I looked it up, man, and, you know, it, it was, to me, I'm like, man, how, how would anybody bounce back from this diagnosis, you know? Oh, man, I tell you, and um, I, I definitely want to let all the listeners know, man, like, uh, I'll be going into a real full detail of everything on, on my uh, Facebook page, on the artist page. Again, that's at Dwayne the Legend. That's Facebook at Dwayne the Legend. dot com, and and there's, I mean, it's it's a godsend, man. A lot of things that happened to me from my dog dying. You know, my dog had bone cancer. Died of, died of bone cancer before me so, in August. The the same year, four months four months earlier. Right. You know. So I mean, it it there's just so many things that happen within life that. I mean, God was trying to show me something. I was just being ignorant, not listening, until, you know, he, he brought something else in my life that actually showed me. So, you know, I'll, I'll be going over a lot of the storyline on that. So, if you guys want to hear that, definitely check me out, definitely. Right. All right, so we can uh, we can, uh, we can can move along. And that's another thing that we have in common, music, oh, of course. I love it. Love it. You know, I love it. I think, I mean, growing up to now, I mean, I'm... I don't think I'll ever stop listening to music. No, I, can't, I can't stop listening to it. Right. It might change. It might not be, you know, exactly for us at that time. But, you know, our music is timeless, I think. Yeah, and, yeah uh, definitely. So I would get into, I mean, you're, you know, you make music yourself and oh, yeah. you're into production, video, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole nine. So what are some of your uh, musical uh, influences growing up? Man. That's, that's like a long list, man. Uh, so I'm going to try to shorten it up, man, because it goes all the way back to our our four, the forefather of hip-hop. Like, if, if nobody knows, everybody really needs to know. 
the very first signed artist there ever was is Curtis Blow. If you don't know who Curtis Blow is, he sings, It's going bad, skateball. Okay, that's, I mean, that's it's old, old school now. You may not like it now, but that's the forefather of hip-hop. And then it was Sugar Hill in the game. Um, but because his last name was Blow, and my last name is Blow, I just, as a child, I was like, you know, we're related. We're not related because his name, his real name isn't Curtis Blow. Right. It was just what he chose. So, you know, it started from Curtis Blow to Sugar Hill and the Gang to Kumo D to Rakim, Gangstar, Ghetto Boys to Outkast to MCA to Tech Nine to Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Like, it. it like all hip hop from eighty five and up all the way until probably about ninety nine two thousand maybe four or five ish were probably good influences on me because now I don't really listen to much people. I listen to a lot of beats right. I'm a beat junkie now i like I like to listen to beats because I like to create my own music and i don't I don't know maybe I need to start listening to more people because I, I don't like to listen to people because I don't want to be influenced right. by anyone. Yeah, I think uh, the comedian, Gary Owen, I don't know if you know yeah, him. Oh, yeah. yeah. He said the same thing. Like He doesn't watch comics or other you yeah. know, comics because, uh, whatchamacallit, he doesn't want to get influenced. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's so easy to, to hear something or... And, and, you you try be, and you don't even know it. You don't know it. You don't know it. Right. And you'll think of something and you'll think it's your own original thought, but... It's really coming from something that you've heard or right. seen before, you know. So I can see music is you probably easily influenced oh, yeah. if you oh, yeah. hear something. So I the don't flow or cadence is like now I hear it on even you know, artists that are lyrical they try sometimes to Oh yeah. To, so so you as you see, like when you were listening to B O B and I know V O B is, but I didn't know. Like, because I don't listen to people. I I try not to purposely. So right. I'm sort of musically naive, sort of so to speak. Like no, well, that's I, a good thing to be because then you're creative. Like, yeah, you're in a good space. I, I want it to still be original. Right. Like, I still want to be original. I, I don't want to jump on some train that everyone's jumping on, even though it's maybe lucrative money-wise, but it's never been a money thing to me. It's always been more of a therapy thing to me, like a way to get something out that I can't really express any other way. Right. So when did you start, you know, writing music? Um, um, I mean, poems started in elementary school. I was writing poems. And it's funny because, like, in, in high school, I remember I used to write poems to girls and stuff. You know, I was like my little thing, you know, <laughs> write a poem to them and stuff. And um, and then it, it became from poems to, like, little short stories. And then the short stories just became to songs. Um, and it was it was more of a therapy thing for me because I was sort of an angry kid, being that I was growing up with all this racist and crap that was crazy. That I didn't. It was it wasn't like too crazy to where I was like this angry kid, but it was it was crazy enough to where internally I was battling with things that, you know, I didn't really understand at that time. So music became an outlet for it, and um, and it's always it's still an outlet for it now. I still use it as an outlet, and. So, I mean, it goes all the way back from probably, you know, fifth, fourth, fifth grade until now, you know, mm-hmm. it's been in me. So what, I would say, what kind of style do you think you have? Is it, I mean, because to me, I don't think you sound like anybody. I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, some, a lot of people say 
I've heard I've heard Andre. I've heard somebody say maybe Eminem, which I I, I gotta say probably Eminem is one of my biggest influences. Right. Uh, Cassidy, Joe Budden. Um, that's probably about it. Um, I love their I love the bar play because I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. I love words. I love the way they manipulate them. Um, but as far as in what pocket. To, to put me in, whether you want to put me in a young Jeezy pocket or you want to put me in a outcast pocket, like I don't even know. Like in my my whole mo is always about creating a different pocket, and it's a a pocket to where I want to inspire others just to be themselves. Like don't be like anyone else. Don't be like me. See what I'm doing and be you and do that. Mm-hmm. Like be you and do it. Yeah. Which is so hard and you can see it now. Now I see this question. What what's your take on uh like hip hop now? Because it seems like everybody sounds the same and yeah, man. everybody is just getting money on it's, the same. It's a money grab, man. That's, money. that's exactly what I see it as. I can't hate him for it. That's never been my MO, but if I was able to get money doing what I'm doing and get the money that they're getting, um, that is, you know, I maybe I look at it differently. Um but excuse me, I don't you know, I, I can't knock them because they're they're killing it. Like Takashi Six Nine, I'm not I'm not really for him. I'm not really against him because he's a young kid from hard times that didn't have nothing, didn't graduate, dropped out of school. I mean, but he's doing something good with his life. He's not out there selling drugs, gangbanging, killing people. So you really can't hate on somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't agree with the content of his music. You know, and, and what he, what he's putting out to people. Uh, what he's putting out to kids, kids are easily influenced. Music is the biggest influence ever. And right. As you get older, you'll start to realize it. Like, wow, you know, when you start listening to some of your old stuff, and then you start thinking about the stupid stuff you were doing, you're like, eh. probably because I was listening to some of this crazy stuff. No, especially here in Pasco, like <laughs> when I was growing up with No Limit and stuff like that. Oh man, there's so many kids with gold teeth. You know, I'm like, what? Is For going no on? reason, everybody yeah. gang. There's no gang here. Like, <laughs> yeah, everybody's in a gang and. It's yeah. music. It's influenced them for sure. But like you said, as long as they're doing something positive and and yeah. coming from coming from nothing and making something for themselves, you can't hate on them. Man. You can't. You it can't might not be for you personally. Definitely not for me. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely not for me. Right. But you know, I can't and hate on them. I'm, I'm proud of what they're doing, and as long as they're helping others, right? Because that's the key, man. As long as and and I think a lot with the new generation is it's all about community as far as in like doing things together where before it was all about me, 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 I'm top honcho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the bomb. Yeah. I'm lyrical monster, you know? And now it's like, you know, we'll collab, we'll do it. Well, let's get together. Let's make this bag, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, that's a good, that's a good point of hip hop where we're at. It's just, everybody's in it now. So it's sort of saturated. It's not its way saturated. It's a little saturated. Yeah. Everybody's a rapper nowadays. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I say now is a, is a time for white rappers, man. Yeah. Now is the time for white rappers. I think it was Nicki Minaj came out, like, uh, I think it was last year, maybe last year, but she was saying, like... Yeah, she wanted to sign a white rapper. Yeah, yeah. at one time on... Yeah, I, I think, think it was, it was on, last year or the year before. On iTunes, like, the top five or ten was, like, white hip-hop yeah. artists. It's the time, man. It is the time. Because it's no longer about your color no more. It's no longer about your bar game. It's no longer about the, it's what it used to be about. Like, you had to have lyrics. You had to be able to have punchlines. You had to be able to sort of battle, so to speak. Right. And it's not even about that anymore. It's, it's so far from that 
it's not even funny. <laughs> it is way. Yeah. I mean, super far from it. Yeah, some of these kids nowadays, like, they wouldn't survive when we oh, were growing up. You yeah. know, if they came out with a song, like, man, that, <laughs> there's no way. But yeah. my theory is, as you get older, it's like, you know, you have different priorities now. So when I hear, uh, I don't know, what's a, like the Migos, yeah, I'm usually I, hearing it, I but I'm on my way to work. So I'm yeah. like stressed out, you know. But yeah. if I would have heard that same song when I was like 16, 17, uh, I probably would have liked it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not in traffic thinking about bills to pay. And oh yeah, I probably would like it too. Cause yeah. it is some some of it is catchy, and I yeah. I can see myself. I mean, I think this Migos and and all that style of rapping is a direct effect of Mike Jones and some of Cash Money stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it's just flamboyant, repetitive type stuff. Right. Yeah, cash money. I mean, that's all we're talking about. Yeah. Money. That's all we're talking about. That's it. That's right. it. And that, you know, you can't really be mad at them because that's, you know, we grew up listening to what birthed it, pretty much. Right. So, exactly. with your music, what, uh, like, what process do you take when it comes to, to making a song? You know, are you writing first or are you hearing a beat first or? Um, you know, a lot of the times... It's about a beat. I let the beat speak to me, man. A lot of times, the beat will dictate my song. The beat will, it'll tell me how I, how I'm supposed to be feeling. Um, it'll tell me what I'm supposed to be saying. It, it'll tell me the whole direction of of where it's supposed to go. Well, then there's other times where I'll just get something catchy in my head and I'll just start writing something, and I won't have a beat behind it. It'll just be. So, I mean, it, it goes both ways. I, I do them both. Mostly it's two beats because, like I said, I don't really listen to a lot of people's songs. I listen to beats a lot. So when I, while I'm listening to beats, I'm having ideas of things, ideas of choruses, ideas of, of maybe hooks or bridges or, or, or a verse might pop up here or there. Like if it's a really good beat that I can't stop listening to, I might write four or five different songs to it. There is a Joey Cutler. Shout out to Joey Cutler over at... Uh, uh, sound click. Get the sound click and look up, look up Joey Cutlass. He got some nice beats. There was a Joey Cutlass beat that it was just so mesmerizing to me that I wrote five different songs to that one beat. Right. Like I couldn't stop writing like verses. I write a verse and write another verse and write another verse of three verses. That was one song. Then I wrote another verse and then wrote another verse and I'm like, I got I'm just, I just kept writing and kept writing and kept writing and I was just like, this one beat produce this many songs so i mean when it's a powerful beat you know you just gotta let that beat take over sometimes mm -hmm. you know? so with the writing is it like you said you craft it around the beat right oh yeah for the most part definitely so do you ever go in and when you record you're like man it doesn't it doesn't jive or yeah are you, are you kind of i mean depending um it usually after i hear it like because in my head when i wrote it it's like yeah this is it and then when i put lady it down and then, you know, they'll mix him out. They'll do whatever. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's just not right. That that don't sound right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got to change something or maybe matter to scratch it all, you know? So, I mean, it all depends on how it sounds at that point because everything in my head sounds like it's platinum. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> sounds like a platinum album to me. Right. Um, until I hear it afterwards and then I, I got to make adjustments or I might just scrap it. You know, I got a lot of unwritten songs that... I never even recorded to hear that they might be good or garbage. I just decided never to record them because, I don't know, It's I'm at a different point in my life. It was something that I wrote at a point in my life that I'm no longer at, so I 
I can't really relate to it anymore. But I don't feel like I need to record it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, and that's why with the, you know, the Promote Your Own, I, I firsthand seen, you know, you write a song and go in here and, oh, yeah. and rap. And I'm like, it's amazing. All the effort you put into it and, you know, put a punch here or do this or so why wouldn't I not promote my own friends, man? You know, you know, because it's a talent. That's it, man. And even even when I know we rag on the young kids with their music and stuff, but I mean to arrange a song and that's catchy is it's, it's hard. hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's definitely not easy. It's man. not easy it's at all. A very difficult thing to do. Right. And um, might not be for us, but it's still hard. So you got to give them the props on. Yeah, man. Especially if they get millions of people liking it. Right. <laughs> like, wow. Exactly. Yeah, kudos to them, man. So with that, uh, what kind of stuff you got up and coming, man? Uh, I got a lot of lot of good things coming, man. I got um, my video that I'm I'm shooting. It's almost done. We're about we're about 45, 50 percent done of it. Um, that's going to be the coming of DTL. That's going to be the start of it. Um, we're going to put that out. Uh, that's the one I actually sent you. And um, after that, we're going to do the music for the masses, which is pretty much a shout out to anyone that's struggling with any type of disease, man, where it comes anywhere from as difficult and, and traumatic as cancer to, you know, blood pressure and, and diabetes, you know, or lupus, you know, the, the silent, the silent diseases that affect people, right? you know, because, you know, one disease isn't more, you know, worse than the other they're all traumatic and it's and it really how bad it is is how bad someone takes it mm-hmm. you know because you can have someone who just has something like simple blood pressure but the way they're handling things it might be something very detrimental to their life right know? so i mean um some some aspect of it and then i got some fun stuff like i want to kick it off with some of my personal life stuff in the beginning and then i want to kick it into the fun stuff we're going to go with the patty cake on the third song, I'm going to kick out. Um, that's going to be fun. Hopefully, I get the kids involved and doing their little dances that they do. You know, I can't do none of that stuff. <laughs> I'm too old to be dancing. But, you know, I still want to put stuff out there so young people can enjoy it and do their little dances and mm-hmm. their little funny moves they do now. <laughs> <laughs> so, with your uh, videos and stuff like that, you're doing it all yourself, right? Oh, yeah, man. I, yeah. I, I'm on a budget, man, and my, my budget is, is very limited with my business going on. Uh, my my lolg dot com. Check me out there. Some of the apparel that I have, and um, so I got to I got to be very strategic in everything I do because the finance part of it is is every dollar is counted for. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I understand. But I think it would, it feels better if you're doing it for you for oh, yourself. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. And this is the, this is my first time actually really going all out and doing everything about it. Where before. I just did it for myself and some and my friends who wanted to listen because, mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, it was more therapy for me then. But now it's like, you know, I got a story to tell, and this story can tell it can help people. Yeah, and it, it can bring awareness to people who are in a dark place that may not want to go get checked out to go make them get checked out, or may have gotten checked out and they're facing some horrible ordeal that you know just to see that. You know, a lot of people die from things, and there are a lot of people that live from it. So I want to tell my story, my side of the story of living after it, you know. And I've suffered from people going through similar things, dying from it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are people who live, and you don't got to you, you don't gotta stop living after it. Right. So you got actual uh, websites and stuff? or? Uh, yeah, the 
um, everything really is going to be funneled through my Facebook, which is, again, uh, Facebook at DWayneTheLegend.com. That's D-E-W-A-Y-N-E, The, T-H-E, Legend, L-E-G-E-N-D. Um, then I got my SoundCloud, which is going to be Dwayne The Legend also. And um, once I get everything finished, get it on the uh, Performance Rights Agency, register with BMI and everything, then you'll be able to find it on Pandora and Spotify and all that good stuff. But that's going to come sort of afterwards. Oh, okay. Is this going to be like an album album or um, is it going to be? Right? I don't even know anymore because nobody ever specified. Like I try to pay attention to what people put out and there's like mixtapes, albums, EPs, LPs. I, I don't even know what to call it anymore. <laughs> right. Before, when we were growing up, it was always an album. It was always, yeah. And a mixtape was always like a collaborative of different, a whole bunch of different stuff. Mm -hmm. But now people were putting out what we would call an album, but now it's mixtapes. Right. Like mixtapes were always usually other people's beats mm -hmm. that people were rapping on. But that's not the case anymore. Yeah, now they're like, to me, albums. Yeah, they're <laughs> out. So I don't, I don't know what it's called. It'll, it'll, an LP, maybe? Right. Uh, maybe it's an LP. I'll, I'll just say it's an LP. Are you going to try to shoot a video with each song? or? Yeah, man, because I think with nowadays with kids, like... It's visual. I'm, yeah, because my bar game is very lyrical, mm -hmm. and kids don't have the attention span to just listen. Right. So you got to put a picture in front of them now. So I, I, I realize, like, okay, the things that I say, if I can put a picture in front of it to show it, the things that I say that should be funny will be funnier, and the things that I say that are serious will be more serious if I can put a picture in front of it. No, it's true, because, I mean, even my kids, <laughs> they love YouTube, and they watch things, oh, yeah. and they're learning from YouTube, so... Definitely. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a good idea. And it would be it would be dope, man, to have a whole, like, video concept behind every song, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to string them all together. They all, they'll all go together. Right. Hopefully. If and I at the end of the day, it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most important. Oh, yeah. You know? And, of course, I'm going to share it. That's that's what I'm here to do. That's it, man. So, yeah, man, it's, I don't know. Like I said, I always I always have a hard time seeing things and, you know, close friends promoting stuff that's, you know, we have no idea. Who, or they don't know who we are to to put so much energy in someone that's not giving it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it just, it confuses me, too. Right. I, I have no idea. I don't take it personal. Oh, I don't. I just, I just don't understand it. Right. So I'm just like, I, you know, you know, these people aren't gonna come here and throw a huge party for it, like for everybody, you know. Right. But you know, if I get put on, hell yeah, I'm gonna throw a huge party for everybody because I gotta gloat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm I want everybody to come to everybody to see me. Like, right. I finally made it. Exactly. You know? Like, you gotta go pay for. Cardi B or somebody <laughs> right. else, you know what I mean? Like exactly, you gotta go pay that. I'm not gonna make you pay. And that's what I was saying, and that's why we started the podcast. Me and our other two guys, Troy and Evan. You know, they're not on the show tonight, but our whole concept is to one day, you know, wake up and you got your own little studio in your house. Exactly, man. You turn on the camera, podcast, and that's it. That's, that's your job. That's your job. Make your money. Yeah. You know, so collect your little royalty checks. Right. And but it's not all about the money. But with money, to me, is is freedom to oh, spend yeah. time with. People want to spend time with you. Do things you're supposed to do. Right. You know? And Besides your family. This nine to five grind that we're on is not for me. No, nah, man, it's not. <laughs> never, <laughs> never has been. Never. So that's yeah. why I'm, I'm doing it just for the fact that I want to have, you know, the opportunity to spend time with people I want to spend time with, and I can't do that unless I got some money in my, <laughs> exactly. in my bank account. So. Yeah, exactly. But 
Yeah, man, I appreciate you being on. And uh, I'll let you close out, man. Any plugs or anybody you want to shout out? or? Um, just shout out to my homie Birdo, man. He's up in uh, Delaware doing his thing, man. He uh, was a, an artist that I met at the gas station a long time ago, man. And we just kicked it off. And he's got some good music. Uh, so check him out on his uh, Reverb Nation, uh, Birdo. And um, shout out to y'all with your jet, man. I, I, don't, I don't usually log in when you guys do it live. I usually listen to it afterwards. Cause I'm usually at work when you guys are doing it. Um, yeah, shout out to y'all, man. It's some some of the stuff y'all be doing is really really funny, man. I'm <laughs> listening to the uh, what was it? Y'all talking about conspiracy theories the last time? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just pretty funny, man. Right. And uh, to to some of my other homeboys, uh, beard beard and laughs, man. My my homie, that's he's a little comedian, got his little thing. Um, check him out at Beards and Laughs. He's on Facebook and. Uh, and Man with the Plan, that's my other podcast um, uh, host, um, he's, I don't know what the hell he's doing, he, he's just, he, he's another conspiracy theorist guy, <laughs> but he's pretty funny though. That's me and Pat, <laughs> me and Pat will go back and forth for days. Uh, that, we're going to do our, we actually got a podcast we're doing tomorrow, and I'm going to bring on conspiracy theories, because I got a really good one about aliens. <laughs> I, have, I have a great, like, I think aliens are us in the future. They're not aliens. They're really us in the future. Right. And you can talk about this all night. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. I mean, me and Pat literally argued about gravity for like, <laughs> for two hours. You know? And at the point, we, we were both like, man, who is right, you know? Yeah. But that's that's the fun part about conspiracies. But the podcast, man, it's, it's just something for us to get together and just yeah, talk, man. man, you know? Have a good so, time. Absolutely. And the whole, one other shout out is the help starts at home, man. Just, if you got anybody that's talented or anybody doing something that you know personally, you know, promote them. That, that definitely, man. That's what we're about. So, I appreciate you, man, being on. And, no uh, problem, man. We're gonna, appreciate you inviting me. We're going to close it out here. Good night, everybody. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So, when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then, we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.